It's Monday, and you know what that means. It's time to talk about some UFC, some MMA news. It's the Fight Talk podcast. It's your boy, John Mosley, here with Steven Jensen. Um, playoffs, only real NFL talk to get out of the way is the Titans lost, and uh, and now both of our teams are in the mid-swing of offseason, bro. Yeah, I feel bad for the Titans. Uh, Vikings, obviously, they didn't even make the playoffs, and um yeah football it's uh yeah <laughs> it's a cool it, mistress. it is it's and it just sucks that you have to wait so long till next season especially when you have a good team where like you know they're capable of like being like a super bowl level team i'm talking mainly about the titans by the way the vikings i think have that. <laughs> I, I think that i think the vikings can contend also but like there's just a couple holes they need to like really fill during the off season and like it's just going to depend on if they do that or not but basically uh at this point, I'm pretty much rooting for the the Buffalo Bills, I guess, because I call. Yeah, I real. I mean, I I really like Stephon Diggs still, even though like his departure from Minnesota, there was like a lot to it. But yeah, at the end of the day, he got exactly what he wanted in that trade. Like he's in Buffalo. He had the most. I think he had the most targets of any um, wide receiver this whole season because Josh Allen just constantly airing the ball out to to him and Cole Beasley. And like, so Stefan Diggs, you know, he's getting targets. He's getting a ton of touchdowns. He's making good money. He's in a system where like, he's the, uh, um, he's the focus of the offense and Minnesota wound up getting one of the best wide receivers in all of football in the draft with the pick we traded him for. So like, it worked out great for us too. Like Justin Jefferson, like I'm, I'm actually more happy having Justin Jefferson than Stefan Diggs right now because he costs at the at the moment he costs way less money and he's younger. So like yeah. I mean it worked this the trade worked out great for everyone. Um and I like Josh Allen. I <laughs> I like the way he plays and um so yeah, at, at this point I think I'm probably I'm probably going for the Buffalo Bills. So just for whatever that's worth. No, I'm with you. That's a fun team to watch. I like Josh Allen in college. Um I know we, one of my favorite things about you is you're like, I, whoever the Vikings draft, I'm always kind of like, cool. What, what did they, like, are they, what did they do in those years in school? So, um, and I'm the opposite. <laughs> and I was like all in Josh Allen in, in college. Like, I can't wait to see where he goes. It's been fun to watch him, him succeed like this because there were a little bit of that, like, ah, maybe he will, maybe he won't be, you know, a great NFL quarterback. So uh, that in the fucking Browns, bro. Like, how about the Browns with no coach beating the Steelers? Yeah, I like them, too. Like, I, I'd like to see them win as well. I, and their coach is Kevin Stefanski, who was with the Vikings for 14 seasons. So that's just another thing about the Vikings, man. Like, just like I liked Mike Zimmer, but. It's like the writing's been on the wall for him for a while. And, you know, I don't think we're going to win a Super Bowl with him as our head coach. There were just too many games that we we lost by like one score this season that a lot of it came down to ultimately the play calling and the the clock management. And Kevin Stefanski started with the Minnesota Vikings as an intern like 14 or 15 years ago and worked his way from intern all the way up to being our offensive coordinator last year. And so, like, this was a guy who could have been our next head coach for the next, like, decade plus. And instead of, like, going with him for the future of the team, we signed Zimmer to an extension. And now in one season, Stefanski has taken the Browns from a shit team to, the you know, the second round of the playoffs. 
Like, <laughs> I mean, just seeing that kind of stuff is. I mean, but I'm happy for Stefanski. Like he yeah. he he did great. He was a guy that all, of, all the whole Minnesota Viking fan base loves that guy because. He was one of us, a, a fucking intern who worked his way up over the span of 15 years. And like, you know, now he's, I mean, but like to your point though, Moe's grinder, it's it's definitely a grinder, but the, to your point though, he, <coughs> I mean the, the Browns, yeah, they were without him yesterday because of COVID, which is, I mean, good for the Browns for being yeah. able to, to, to put it together. And I mean, that's gotta be a team that people pull for just because of, but then, uh, to be honest, selfishly, I'm also kind of like with some of these teams, like like the Bills and uh, and the Browns and stuff, where part of me doesn't want to see them win because I'm like, these are the kind of teams that people look at in it. It almost like I, I don't know how to even how to even say this because the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. I think a lot of people kind of like overlook that a little bit because. A lot of like the Browns get so much hate and like the right. Bills lost four Super Bowls and like all this stuff. And it's like once these teams like are winning, I think it's going to put more on the Vikings where it's like the Vikings fucking suck. Like they've never won a Super Bowl. Like <laughs> these other like you can't even be like, yo, well, at least they're not the Browns. Well, the Browns are fucking contending for Super Bowls. And really like, <laughs> you know, it's like so I don't know. But that's fucking football. And. You're, I mean, it's it's really interesting too, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. But when you look at teams like uh, like the Patriots, for instance, like the exact opposite's going on with them right now because they, they, I mean, you know, they were like incredible for like twenty years, and yeah. but yep. the but the expense of that potentially now is going to be they might suck for the next decade because they have not drafted any players in the last like twenty years. They've constantly just built on what they had and traded draft picks away for already established players without Brady there, we saw how bad they were this season. And, you know, I just, it's one of those things where like, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see kind of the, how cyclical, you know, football can be, you know, in, in those kind of senses as well. No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This, that's one of the crazier stories was uh, the first, <clears throat> the first maybe month or so it was like, well, maybe, you know, this and that about Brady at the Bucks. There they they didn't come out quite as hot. The Patriots, Cam Newton looked good the first week or two. And the story was, how about that? And here we are now. Um, the Bucks, they got tested, but they're still in the playoffs. Uh Brady. I, I, the craziest stat, this is the last thing I know this is not a football podcast, but the craziest thing I saw all weekend, man, was uh they they showed playoff career wins, right? And like Joe Montana, who me, I think of Montana as, you know, one of the GOATs, right? He had 16 playoff wins. Brady, this was his 31st playoff win. <laughs> that's, that's so wild. It's amazing. Like, like, if I was to look at the the Minnesota Vikings every like from their the beginning of their existence <laughs> and took all of their quarterbacks in history and put them together, I, I bet you it's like half of that like total for the history of the team and the, you know what i mean <laughs> no yeah exactly I'm look, actually i looked it up right now it appears the the vikings playoff record 21 and 30 so tom brady has 10 more playoff <laughs> wins in the vikings that's so fucking crazy man <laughs> oh all, man all he does is win bro but uh yeah yeah I, and you gotta you gotta respect it 
have to yeah you can hate on it but deep down there's got to be some level of like all right man that's that's just crazy and he's again doing it with a a new team uh kind of a crazy all-star team from random years it's like if you took prime years bucks that's like a monster team but everybody's <laughs> kind of at the the tail end of this and that and we're kind of like okay they're okay but um yeah shout out tom brady one more time as much as people don't we don't want to admit it sometimes shout out monsters no, go ahead, bro. Shout out Monstars. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to bust out Space Jam before the week's out because of this conversation now. Um, before we, we dive into the preview, uh, if anyone's forgot, UFC on ABC1 is what I'm going to call uh, this weekend's card. Max Holloway, Calvin Guitar. We're going to break all that down here in a few minutes. But there were some fun uh, kind of MMA news, if you will, over the last weekend. Just two or three stories I wanted to get Steven's thoughts on. Um, let's lead off with this one. I know it's in a contract that we, anytime Conor McGregor's fighting within a few weeks, we have to mention him. So Conor, uh, I don't know if you saw this yet. He he said on the on the countdown recently, UFC countdown, a clip that he, he respect to uh, to Poirier. This is the exact quote. He's he's even a great fighter. But great is still levels below me. I'll knock Dustin out inside 60 seconds is what old Mystic Mac is saying. Now, for those that forgot, like I did, the first time they fought, I thought that was less than a minute. It actually was a minute 46. It felt quicker. But, um, you know, again, the third part of this story, that was six years ago. Like that blew my mind how old I really am that we're six years out from the first time these two fought still. Initial thoughts, Stephen, to to McGregor saying he's going to knock Poirier out inside of a minute. I mean, I've got to say he won't do it within a minute. But I do, I mean, I do think McGregor wins the fight by knockout. Um, I, I don't, but here's the thing. If, if his mindset is to basically fight the way that he fought Donald Cerrone and you know, I think Dustin Poirier is a much better fighter at this point in both of their careers, like than yes. than Cowboy is. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, if Connor fights like that, I could see him winning in sixty seconds. But I could also see him losing in like sixty seconds by doing that also against someone as good as Poirier. Um, especially if Poirier knows that, if he's like, <clears throat> all right, like I'm gonna hold you to that, like you try to finish me in sixty seconds. So he's like training the next week in like. You know, Connor, you know, someone rushing at him and him being prepared, like, you know, moving backwards and throwing strikes or, you know, securing a takedown really fast or something like that. So, um, so it's, it's kind of strange to hear like Connor potentially giving out his game plan. But at the same time, I think it is totally possible that Connor knocks him out in the first round. I just don't know about in, you know, in the first 60 seconds. That's, uh, that'd be pretty, I mean, that'd be really, really fucking impressive if he did it. It absolutely would be, man. Uh, we 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 know the last time we saw Dustin was in All Out War with Dan Hooker. We both loved that fight from last June. Um, so we know that 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 Poirier can go. The, the thing is, is that left hand of of Conor McGregor, man. We've seen it so many times. I, I I'm with you. I want you know. I, I say it goes. It may go about the same time. You know, I would not be shocked if if it went that quick. But I I want to say that. Um, Dustin fights smart. Um, the thing is, Connor, man, I mean, the guy, you know, it, it is a lot of talk, but he's, he's always, maybe not always, but he's usually lived up to it. Um, I, I like to laugh at the Khabib stuff he was saying post fight that 
if you really look at it, he kind of won this in that round. But I haven't watched that fight in a while. I should go back with a more open mind. Um, I'm with you, though. Less than a minute, man. That's, you know, that's saying a lot uh, for, for Connor, who, you know, 40 seconds in a win over um, over Cowboy. Impressive, but, like, this is not Cowboy, you know? Like, just what you were saying. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, for Connor, the only... I mean, the only blemishes on his record, and like these are things that you can't even really. I mean, you could hold it against him, sure, but like, how much do you like when you look like, for instance, you look at his loss to Habib, and it's like, well, it's because Connor doesn't have great takedown defense. Okay, well, but nobody stopped Habib from doing that to them. Exactly, like, it, does, it doesn't matter who it is. Like Habib, as as long as we establish Habib is on a different level than everyone else we're talking about. Like, no matter who his opponent was, including Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, who has great takedown defense and is a super well-rounded, incredible MMA fighter, he couldn't stop it. Like, it's the same story for everybody. So, Habib's just on that next level. So, if you take that out of the picture, then you look at, you know, his loss to Nate Diaz. It's like, okay, well, that was also on really short notice. Completely, completely different opponent than who he was initially training for. And... That was, you know, props to Connor. That was the, I think that was the show. There's been a few times in Connor's career where like his opponent has fallen out very, you know, close to the time of the fight. And then, you know, Dana either calls him or flies to his house and pretty much on the spot, Connor will be like, all right, that sucks. Um, I'm still going to be there. Find me someone. So like, like Connor isn't pulling out of fights. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he's a fighter, bro. Yeah, and he and he goes in there, and he loses to Nate, who, by the way, is a fucking great fighter. Also, it's not like Nate Diaz is some jabroni. Nate Diaz is also one of the best fighters in the world. You know when he's motivated and you know when he's active, and I mean then he won the and then Connor won the rematch and like sure it was close and some people think he lost, but at the end of the day, like you know they fought at 170 pounds. Also, do not forget that. So I mean, there's. There's more to it than just like, you know, it's just one of those things where Connor's losses are pretty justified and like there's not really anything to be like ashamed about. No, not at all. No. And and that's the fight. We still say that the maybe the big money fight. I mean, every Connor fight feels like a big money fight, but the big money fight for me right now is still uh, Nate and Connor uh, round three. I don't really care what the weight class is, but. Uh, that's a testament to Connor and that he is a man of his word and that he is just what we were saying, a, an all-out fighter, bro. He he um, he's he's one of the greats for a lot of reasons because of that. But uh, really excited about this fight. We're a couple of weeks out, um, less than a minute. Definitely keep uh, keep track of that. Uh, this one, this next story, um, kind of bittersweet, but uh, with something I think we both are not shocked to hear. Diego Sanchez coming out and saying. This next fight is going to be his last. His exact quote was, uh, it's time to heal, not hurt. Um, what do you think history is going to say about Diego Sanchez looking back on his entire career? I think when you when people look back on his career, you're, he'll be viewed as like, yeah, it's going to be, I don't know. He's like, so I'll say this in two different ways. Like right now, because I can't remember the name of his guru. It's like Josh Faby or something like that. That recent Diego Sanchez is just bizarre. 
you know, he's just like this weird version of Diego where like he's fighting really strange and he's listening to this guy who's like clearly destroying his career. Now, this guy might be good for like his personal health. Like right. this Josh Fabia dude, you know, like Diego might be <clears throat> might have learned new ways of, you know, meditating and and personal, you know, self-care and all these things. But it isn't translating into him being a better fighter. It's making him a much worse fighter, whatever's happening there. So on that hand, it's like, oh, OK, well, Diego walking away, that's, you know, not only is it a good idea because of those reasons, but he's also fought for a long time and, you know, he's taken a lot of damage. Um, so that all being said, when I think about him right now, unfortunately, I think kind of more of what's going on with him at the moment. But when I think when most people look at Diego Sanchez's career, you know, years down the line, he'll be viewed and rightfully so he'll be viewed as like one of the pioneers of the sport. You know, the first ultimate fighter winner, along with uh, Forrest Griffin, he'll be viewed as a warrior who had some of the most exciting fights in UFC history. Um, like his fight with Gilbert Melendez was incredible. His fight with uh, Clay Guido was incredible. I mean, he's got some really, really, really damn good fights. Um, and he's a guy who who fought for a long time. And he also, even though this was also in recent years, and this is something that I think he did that I thought was great, was his, uh, his the thing he did for Isaac. Um, I can't remember what, it, they call him like the Shermanator. I can't, but he's like the, the, the special needs uh, kid who, who trains MMA with Diego and Diego like let him win a fight against him in a, in a cage and stuff a couple years ago. And like, that was just awesome. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think Diego will really be like remembered for is like the stuff he did with Isaac, the stuff that, um, you know, the, just the, the all out wars and, and being one of the first, you know, big stars coming out of the ultimate fighter and, and all that stuff. So I think people will really look at his career in a really positive light at the end of the day um, the only knock he's going to have on him is going to be the end of his career and the fact that he never won a UFC championship. Although he did compete for one, I, I believe against uh, BJ Penn, I think he fought him for the yes. lightweight title. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and that was during when BJ. Yeah, that's right. And that was when BJ was just like that was when he was just bloodbathing everyone, like yes, Joe Joe Stevenson and and Kenny Florian and all those guys. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I, so I guess at the end of the day, I think people are going to look really fondly on Diego's career. And I think that uh, he'll be he'll be viewed as, a, you know, I, I, I think I think he's going to have a, a lot of people that, you know, really big fan base. And he and also I didn't even mention he's the one who created the yes chant that Daniel Bryan used. Got, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, Daniel Bryan admits he stole it from him. And that got Daniel Bryan over to a point of, you know, main eventing and winning the main event of WrestleMania 30. I mean, so, uh, yeah, Diego, as, as wacky as the end of his career has been, um, as much as like as non-religious as I am and as religious as he is, um, as much as I love smoking weed and as much as he thinks weed, uh, in, you know, inserts the devil inside of you and, and like it's the worst thing in the world. Like we have a lot of fucking varying personal opinions on stuff, but <laughs> but he but he he was a fucking warrior for most of his career in that octagon. Absolutely was. Uh, yeah, I looked it up. December first, twenty seventeen. Isaac Marquez was the fight. Uh, he won via 
first round arm bar over Diego. That's that's just that's great stuff, man. Um, and that and he was that was the Shermanator, right? Like I'm not just making that up. Like I'm pretty sure it doesn't he, say this. At least this thing I've got pulled up, it doesn't say anything about a nickname. It just says um, you got to look it up because there's no way I'm ma- I'm try. I promise you, I'm not making fun of this kid. I I have to be. I got to clarify this. Isaac, what was the last name? Marquez. M A R Q U E Z. Sure. Isaac the Shermanator Marquez. Yep, it's on Sure Dog. Okay, Boom. good, 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 good. I was like, I know I didn't make this up. I'm not making fun of this kid in any way, shape, or form. Okay, just wanted to make sure I got that out there. Yeah. Shout out Diego Sanchez. 30 and 13 right now. One more in the, uh, at least in the sights uh, before calling it a career. Absolute legend um, for what we said, just longevity. Um, yeah, shout out Diego. Last story before we get into our, our little preview for, for this weekend's card. Again, the fact that UFC is going to be on ABC is so crazy and awesome. Uh, it's a story you've been kind of hinting at uh, the last few weeks, Stephen, that, you know, so Jorge Masvidal, after Trump was banned off Twitter, yeah. actually tweeted out, I'm just going to read his tweet, not too many places I ain't been kicked out of. And since all the cool kids have been kicked off Twitter, middle finger emoji, follow the leader. Um, I guess Jorge quit Twitter or is threatening to quit Twitter. And as as you probably guessed it, Twitter roasted him with some pretty great memes, um, some really funny shit. But yeah, it's a story that we keep we keep hearing. I heard it again. <clears throat> excuse me. I heard it again over the weekend. Dana's really trying to make Masvidal Colby a thing in the next couple months. And, uh, and I really, I think you're on it for anyone. This Trump stuff may end up being super hilarious. Dude. I, I'm not even joking when I say this, what Colby Covington needs to do in the, <laughs> in, in the buildup to this fight is be riding Joe Biden's nuts hard. <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. Like Colby Covington needs to just 180 flip. And, and his, and, well, and his gimmick basically needs to be like, I support the president. Like, it doesn't matter who the president is. That's what my whole <laughs> message has been. It isn't, it isn't that I just Donald Trump. It's whoever the president is. Now we got Joe Biden. I'm, you know, I'm on team Joe Biden. Like, I support our president. Like, that's what he needs to do. And because him versus Masvidal, I, like, we are in a position where Colby Covington may be the baby face against Jorge Masvidal. Right. And we know that Colby's probably going to take his ass down for however long he needs to. Oh, yeah, during the fight. That's what I would yeah. do if I was Colby, sure. Yeah. Um, I, th- I mean, I think Colby will win the fight. I think he's a more well-rounded uh, fighter. I think he has better cardio than Masvidal does. Um, even though Masvidal has good cardio, but Colby Covington is, like, you know, one of the best cardio guys in the world. So, yeah, I, I, I you're. it's interesting because I, I think that uh, – I saw someone tweet this. I can't remember if it was like Dave Doyle or like Sean Al-Shahadi. It was someone, someone on Twitter was an MMA journalist, I think. And they tweeted something to the effect of like, I've never seen a fighter like scratch and claw for so long to make it to the top just to throw it all the way so quickly. (laughs) As someone like, as as a Jorge Masvidal, you know, like, Mm mm-hmm. Like, you built this to the point where, like, you were one of the most popular and loved fighters. And now you're, 
Because here's the, the other side of it, though, too, is, you know, I'm a humongous advocate for freedom, freedom of speech. Like, I think people should be allowed to say stuff that they that they believe or that they feel. But I also think that the public or whoever you're talking to or talking about also has that same freedom of speech to call you an asshole and not want to not want to associate with you. Right. Like, you know, I think that, you know, I don't think it's good if somebody wants to go out there and say, like, racist stuff. But if someone does that, like they have the freedom to do it. But then I also have the freedom to be like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm never going to be I'm never going to hang around you. If you own a business, I'm never going to buy anything from you. It, the problem and when it gets really, really murky and when it becomes a really, really big issue is when someone like the president is is the one doing this stuff. Right. And and <laughs> the and it's at a point now where like especially, you know, the everything that happened this last week, you you can't like I get people that are Republicans that like are sticking to their side, but you can't, it's undef it's completely undefendable at this point to like be a full on Donald Trump supporter. Like you, yeah. I just feel like you can't, you can't in good conscience be supporting the stuff that is, even if you were, cause I, listen, I'm with I'm with these people for the last four years. Not with them, but like I I I supported their right to to be Donald Trump supporters for the last four years. Now I can't. Like now it's at a point where like it's too far. This this shit is just and the the point being, even someone like me who's like incredibly fucking tolerant when it comes to you know people with 180 differing opinions of, of mine, I'm okay with them saying the stuff they say. Like I don't have to agree with them. Like, I know people are going to have different opinions on stuff than I do. Um, and I'm okay with that. And I can live with that. But when you're someone like Jorge Masvidal and you're supporting a guy who did the stuff that he just did. And, like, you, and the thing is, like, Masvidal doesn't have to say any – like, he could he could – support Donald Trump in his own head all he wants. Like mm -hmm. I just don't I just don't know why why anyone would be dumb enough right now. Like whether you're Jorge Masvidal or anyone else to like double down on the support of Donald Trump. Like when he I mean when you have the president like calling to action like hey like storm the building, you know, hey we can't have I mean that's like what no. Like this is and even and even a lot of Republican uh, like uh, uh, Republican uh, I don't know why the word's escaping me uh, officials or whatever you call them fucking uh, people in office people who you know uh, senators and whatnot like a, mo a lot of them have turned on him too they're like okay fuck this like this okay yeah we supported you the last four years but like this is too fucking far too like, far even, yeah like yep. even they're like. And they've been in this party working towards being in his position their whole career. And now they're putting their own careers on the line to be like, yo, like, we can't support this shit. You know, so, like, I just think it's a really fucking bad look for anybody to be supporting any of it right now. And especially when you're when you're Jorge Masvidal, who, once again, like, why? Like, I just don't know what he's thinking. Like, why would you like, why would you could just not tweet anything? You know, like, just don't say anything at all and just, you know, save face to some fucking extent. Like, I, I just don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why you'd even put it out there on Twitter that you support this guy right now. Like, it just seems like whether you believe it or not, it seems like fucking career suicide. Like, why even fucking do it?
maybe that's how uh, committed to the cause, man. Like, I don't know. Or, or, or the, the thing about the bubble they live in, too, is like, if he really isn't on the shit of what kind of it, it's a more of a belief that maybe he really just feels that way. Maybe he feels Trump's got a bad hand. And it's like that's that just says more about him than anything, if that were to be true. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's one of those. I, I don't know. It, it take a long time to talk about all that. But it's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. I don't know. I'm here for Colby Covington to fucking have a Biden hat, man. I'd lose my shit. Well, I mean, the thing that's the thing with Colby is like he's never. It's funny because the way it could almost be framed, not even framed, but the way that it kind of like has worked out to this point is Masvidal is clearly like he is a Trump supporter. He is Republican. He his 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 views are and once again this i'm not saying like right or wrong it's just a different way of looking at things but like a lot of the stuff that he's saying in like in representing like the latin american community i know a lot of people within that demographic like people that are hispanic that are like we don't really like this guy speaking up for us because like he's a rich you know successful pro athlete that does not have the same problems we have you know, like, like he's speaking for all of us, but like he can't he isn't actually relating to what we we actually do deal with. He doesn't have to actually deal with these things. So Colby Covington or sorry, like uh, Mazadal's like drinking the Kool-Aid big time. Colby obviously was drinking the Kool-Aid super hard, but he never really like committed 100 percent to like the side of like. I am a 1 billion percent Republican. I am 1 billion percent like Donald Trump is like my like the only president I'll ever support. He's he's always framed it more to my understanding is like and he does it in a very douchey heelish way, which is what he's trying to do to to create, create interest for himself. But you know what I mean? It's, from him, it feels way more like it doesn't matter who the president is like he supports the president. It just so happened to be that the current president is like the most unlikable fucking human being alive. <laughs> yeah. If he's doing the same exact gimmick, but for Biden, he can literally do, he doesn't have to change anything he's saying. He doesn't have to change the way he carries himself. He could walk around all fucking day with, you know, these, these strippers that he hired to hang around him and shoot videos of them and stuff, but just be talking about how great America is and how Joe Biden is, 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 you know what I mean? Like he can have the same exact fucking gimmick, but just riding Joe Biden's nuts instead of Donald Trump. Like it'd be the same thing, and everybody would be a fan of it. <laughs> so, oh, dude! I, yeah, <laughs> you you immediately like get everyone talking. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, and that'd be the most Colby Covington move. Also, would be to just one eighty flip. You know, like to just the shit out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it'd be the most Colby thing ever. The biggest um, hill move is just to be like, I support winners. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, exactly. No, that's the, again, that's one of the matches. I also heard that uh, I think they said they're trying to get Nganu and Stipe in like, you know, before summer, like April, May, somewhere in there, um, along with, with Colby and, um, and Masvidal. So 2021, we may get some of those fights we were hoping to get. Um, this weekend, though, our first time ever seeing the ufc on abc they're at fight island um so it's fight island seven if you're into that max holloway calvin guitar is our main event carlos condit matt brown 
Uh, we got Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Li Jiang. Joaquin Buckley fighting on this card. Uh, prelims got some couple names on it too, man. This is a this is a fun way to kick the year off. Yeah, this is a good show, man. Like the main event's fucking awesome. The co-main event I've wanted to see for for years. Um, you know, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Some kind of like contenders and up and coming guys and girls and uh, some veteran uh, some veterans on here. So this is yeah, this is a great this is a good show to have on a. Uh, on ABC for like a potentially, you know, kind of new audience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be what an afternoon show on ABC. Uh, the main card is uh, the prelim of course is on ESPN plus, but yeah, let's dive in. Let's actually talk about the co-main first because this was one that we, we, we had heard rumblings about a couple of these fights that weren't announced, but this one kind of surprised me. I'm with you, man. It's exciting. But, uh, but Carlos Condit, Matt Brown squaring up, man. Uh, my initial reaction was like, this feels like it could be a retirement fight for either or both. I don't know, you know, what comes from that, but, um, but I'm, I'm fired up for it. Yeah. I mean, I'd be totally fine with this being a double retirement fight because neither guy has anything left to prove. The only thing that you could say about either of them is, you know, Carlos Condit was the interim champion, never was like the true welterweight champion and, and Matt Brown never won the belt, but he, he came pretty close at a couple points. Like he was in, he was in like I remember at one point he was in a title eliminator fight against um against uh, Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's something where I'll say this: like Carlos Condit looked really good in his last fight, uh, like way better than I expected to see him. And so, like I'm kind of optimistic about, you know, I don't I don't want to see either of these guys stick around too long, but. Um, was yeah, Carlos Condit over Court McGee was that last one. Yeah, but before they, that, yeah, before that though, he just, I mean, uh, he lost how many in a row? One, two, three, four, five. And Matt Brown, uh, I think his last fight was that uh, when he got smoked by Bieza. Yeah, they each fought in once yeah. in 2020. Uh, Condit winning, and then yeah, just what you mentioned, it was a, it was a bad loss for for Matt. Yeah, well, and, like, Bieza's badass, like, since no, then. No, yeah, I, not Matt bad isn't a bad, but, like, a bad knockout. Like, that was that was not a pretty finish. Yeah, yeah, devastating. But before that, he won his last two fights. So it's, like, I think both guys are, I don't know. I'm indifferent about it. I guess it depends on how it looks at the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of both guys. Two of my favorite fighters of all time. Uh, Matt Brown, especially, like, I've always been a huge fan. Like, I I really started liking him uh, when he was on The Ultimate Fighter because he was one of these guys that, like, he came onto the show and he was just, like, this quiet, psycho kind of guy that, like, didn't really talk to anyone. And when they would interview him for the show, he'd just be like, yeah, man, I'm here to win. Like, I'm not here to make friends. Like, I'm trying to win a contract. It's like, okay, I can respect that. Like, this guy's not here, like for the reality aspect of it, he's here for, he's here to get in the UFC. Like this guy's serious as fuck about this. And, uh, he had an awesome career and call his Condit, what he's done between the WEC and the UFC. And, uh, just seems like he's been around for forever. I mean, I, I love this matchup that both guys have wanted it for years. It's been booked before. So it's, it's great to see that this is actually happening now. And, uh, I'll reserve judgment on whether or not, because Matt Brown actually retired at one point, and so did yeah. Condit, for that matter. Like, both of them have retired, but came back within, like, a year or two years or whatever of retiring. 
Um, so anyways, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it as a double retirement, but if, if one of them like has a great performance or something, I could also see them maybe sticking around a little longer. I, I really don't know. No, it's, there's a lot of storylines that could be going into it. Uh, like, like you were saying about Condit until this past fight, uh, you know, what was that October? Not, not that long ago, October of last year. Um, he hadn't looked like Carlos Condit since that Lawler fight. I felt like we both kind of talked about it. One of those fights that, man, it just takes kind of a part of you with it, maybe more than just a small a small piece. Yeah. A lot of losses in a row, but he looked good. I'm with you. He looked good against Court. I I, um, I think this, this could go either way in a sense of, Oh, a, a, an exciting finish. Maybe you end the career with that way, or maybe not. Maybe you try to, to get another fight or two in there. Like you said, both have hung it up before, but our clear um, you know, definition of fighters, what it means to be a fighter. Uh, I'm fired up for it, man. Um, we'll, we'll do our picks, I guess, after, at the very end, unless you want to just throw it out there now for Condon and Brown. Yeah, I'll just do them uh, cool. match by match. I'll say uh, I'm going to go with Matt Brown. Really? I, See, I, I th- I'm going to go Condon. I thought you, we'd both be on that one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Brown. I mean, the guy, he, like, the loss to, the, basically my justification for it, because, I mean, this is like a coin flip. Like, it could be either yeah. guy. But <laughs> my kind of line of thinking is I see Condit more along the lines right now, like a Diego Sanchez or a Ben Saunders, two guys that Matt Brown knocked out. Miguel Bieza, uh-huh. Miguel Bieza is like this up and coming stud who's killing everyone right now. Like he's just a way better fighter right now than Matt Brown is. I think that Matt Brown can still take guys in, that I think, I, I think that where Condit's at is in his career. I think Matt Brown can still take him. But at the same point, at the same exact point, you could compare Matt Brown to kind of maybe like a Court McGee as well. And, and, Car- and Carlos Condit had no problem there. So it, it's hard. But but then I also look at like, you know, Condit's losses to Lawler, but that was like prime Lawler, basically. Uh, Damian Maya, Neil Magny, Alex Oliveira, Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa is uh, really on the come up right now. And Magny's a great fighter. And these are all great fighters, but it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Matt Brown can take him. I just I just have this feeling about it. But I like the fight a lot, and uh, it's the perfect fight for both guys. Like this really would be the perfect retirement fight if both yeah. of them wanted to go out after this, because really all that's left is more of these kind of fights, like Condit versus you know like Robbie Lawler again or something. But like, does anyone really need to see a third fight between yeah. them like now when like they're both clearly out of their prime? You know what I mean? So. But I'll take Matt Brown. And you got Carlos Condit. So, yeah, we'll see We'll see how this one goes. Yeah, excited about this one, man. Um, let's go ahead and talk about this main, and then we'll we'll hit those last couple of the main card, and then uh, maybe uh, a couple of ones to watch in the prelims, like a, a couple of really exciting matchups in the prelims, and then a couple of, of, of young guns, man. So, uh, again, uh, this card, Saturday afternoon, ABC, uh, this main card, though, Max Holloway, Calvin Qatar. A lot of talk going into this one, man. Um, people are already saying, I, I saw some crazy quote like, Max can't overlook Calvin. And I'm like, shit, why would you do it? You know, Calvin's over here saying, you know, I'm going to finish Max and finally get a crack at, at that gold. So um, uh, I guess more of a level of uh, how excited, not, how, you know, are you, how excited are you for this main event Saturday? 
Very. I mean, this this fight's fucking awesome. I mean, you got Max Holloway, who's number one ranked guy underneath the champion, Alexander Volkanovsky, who, you know, he's lost back-to-back fights too, but close fights, especially their, I mean, not real, their first fight, Volkanovsky, I think, pr- pretty clearly won. Their second Agreed. fight, but their second fight, a lot of people think Holloway won. Um, so Holloway is still very much a championship-level guy. And Calvin Cater sitting at number six right now. Uh, back-to-back wins off of uh, Jeremy Stevens and Dan Ige. Two really fucking good fighters. Two And two guys that are super fucking dangerous. Um, so this fight rules. And stylistically, this is it's a great matchup. Because both guys will most likely stand and bang. So Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is actually when Cater beat uh, Ige. This was the fight, the night of the fight that I tweeted I wanted to see next was uh, Cater versus Holloway. So I'm, I'm glad that this is this is what they wound up doing because I think it makes it makes a ton of sense for both guys. Cater wins. He's probably the next uh, title shot after, uh, I mean, because it looks like they're going to be doing um, Ortega and Volkanovski next. And... I don't know what's going on with Zabit because Zabit Yair was supposed to happen, but Yair is not. Uh, they might be doing Zabit and uh, and Zombie, maybe. Maybe they'll do something like that. Like I don't, I don't know. But the point being, Cater's probably next in line after Ortega if he beats Hallway, especially impressively. Um, that being said, I am picking Max Hallway to win. I do think that uh, I think Hallway's still as good as he's ever been. I think he's still in his prime. I mean, he's like, let's see how old he is. He's only 29 years old. Mm. I mean, that's so insane. The only the only thing you could even I could even say about someone like him that concerns me at all is like because he's already had 26 fights and a lot of them have been fucking wars. Yeah. Like, and, and he had kind of that weird thing that one time where he couldn't fight because, like, he was, like, slurring his words in that interview and stuff. That's the only thing I worry about when I see a guy who's had this many fights at this age is, like, you know, it's almost like Jose Aldo, where it's, like, he's only, like, 32 or whatever, but he's had so many fucking fights that you're, like, you're only 32, but... But... You've, yeah, you've, your brain's been hit to the point of, like, you know... You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is... You know, you you you're much older. Your fighting years are much older because of Those um, miles. because of the wars, the miles exactly. Um, but I think Hallway still uh, I think Hallway still takes it. I think it's a damn good fight. I think it goes all five rounds. Like I think it's a decision win for Hallway because I think that's how good Cater is. I think he's gonna be able to stick in there with him. But I think they're both gonna be bloody, beaten down, beat up. I think Cater will probably win a couple rounds, but I think ultimately like Holloway gets the win. And I think, I think it's a good close fight. Um, and, uh, and the best thing that, that could happen for Holloway would be Ortega beating Vol- Volkanovski because Holloway would probably get the next shot, but I don't think he's going to get Volkanovski. Well, you know what? Dana has said that he's down to do Volkanovski and Holloway a third time um, because of how close their second fight was. So you can basically look at this fight as a number one contender fight. And I've got Max Holloway. Yeah, no, I was going to say with, with how what's Calvin's talking and with just what you said, as close as that second fight was, I think uh, I think this feels very much like a number one contender fight. And I think the fact that Dana White puts them in this spot, right, bringing in hopefully some new eyes being on broadcast television, um, that's a lot of faith to put in you in that main event. I think we get an exciting fight. I'm, I'm leaning with you. I, 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 a part of me wants to pick uh Qatar but I think Max wins I think he builds off that last performance because like you were saying man 
Um, I actually thought, as much as I love Max, man, uh, I actually thought, you know, that second fight um, with Volkanovski was going to go much like the first. I thought, you know, he was going to win unanimously. It was split. It was very, very close. Um, I think Max builds on that, gets to win, and maybe gets another crack at that goal. But this is a um, this is an easy early contender for match of the night. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, rarely when I, you know, if I were to pick like a people's main event for a show, usually right, yeah, I hear, yeah. you know, usually I veer outside of the main event, but <clears throat> this is the kind of show and fight where like, personally, yeah, I love Carlos Khan and Matt Brown. I'm sure next we'll be talking about Ponzinibbio and Jim yep. Liang. I mean, there's, there's, there's some damn good fights on this, but like, this is the best fight on paper for sure. And like, stylistically speaking, this, I mean, this could be an awesome fight. I'm fired up for it again. I, I, I double checked. So starts 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC. It's also streaming on ESPN Plus if you really want to. But um, 3 Eastern main card. As as just teased by Steven Jensen, uh, next one we're going to hit Ponzinibbio, Lee Ji Lang. Ponzi, man, all these wins stacked up in a row. Uh, we just, you know, he hasn't fought, though, Um in a minute, man, you know, he was supposed to fight here and there. Um, he had staph infection. Things got pulled for health issues. We're finally here back in the cage, squaring up with a, a very hungry competitor. Uh, how do you see this one going? I mean, th- this also, I mean, this is a really, really good fight, um, especially with Ponzinibbio being out since 2018. And when he took this break, which, you know, basically became a break because of injuries and and infection and all that stuff. He was getting close to being like, like he was like a contender. I think he's actually not even in the top 15 anymore because he's been so inactive. But when he beat um, Neil Magny, because I mean, the last three wins, Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, Neil Magny, those are all impressive wins. Um, Say what you will about Mike Perry as a human being, but like, He's still a dangerous guy when, when you know, you get in the cage with him. Um, Gunnar Nelson's one of the best submission specialists the UFC's ever had. Um, I just did a video for All Things MMA that dropped last night, and he actually has the 10th most submission victories in UFC history, um, which people probably didn't really realize. Um, and then you got Neil Magny, who we always talk about on the show, yeah. quietly has put together, like, like a career, you know, worthy of like Hall of Fame consideration to some degree. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Ponzinibbio has been super impressive. And then Lee Jingliang, he, you know, he lost to Magni in his last fight um, right. by decision. But before that, three solid wins. And uh, that Dos Santos win was really good too, because that guy was on the come up at the time as well. So, um, so this is a really good matchup. I think as long as, as long as Ponzinibbio isn't dealing with like serious ring rust, I think he gets the job done and reestablishes himself as like a top 15 level guy. And then I think he start if he wins, he starts calling out like top five guys again, because that's kind of like where he was at when he left. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to take Ponzinibbio, but uh, don't sleep on Jing Liang. He, I mean that he's a damn good fighter. Um, and I think he's still really young as well. Jing Liang. Oh, he's 32. He's actually older than I thought he was. Ponzinibbio, 34. Um, so this this is a this is a very important fight for both guys. But uh, but yeah, I got Ponzinibbio. What about you? Same. I think he wins it uh, in exciting fashion. I would not be shocked 
if Ponzi got a, a first or second round finish here, um, I'm I, as I, I mean, I remember thinking after that Magni win, you know, that, that run you just mentioned, especially, but that, that Magni knockout thinking like this guy, I can't wait to see him in these, like, you know, these, these top, 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 tippy top tier matchups. So I'm hopeful. I think he comes back uh, very well rested and gets a really exciting finish um, over, again, a very hungry competitor. I'm with you, man. This might be a dark horse kind of uh, a fight of the night S, not necessarily for length of time, but just as exciting as it could be. Um, don't sleep on Ponzi, though, for, for a performance of the night in his return. Um, that's, a, that's a hell of a top three, man. I mean, you know, you've got a number one contender fight, a possible retirement fight. You've got a huge return um, like this. That it, it feels like a pay per view, but you you know that goes back to the business side, right? You're going to put a card this t- kind of top heavy um, on ABC in this spot. Um, quickly moving on to this next one because of we're talking about you know being in this spot, ABC. We keep talking about it because man, it's it's a big spot to be in. And Joaquin Buckley, bro, who really hit the scene in 2020 for the UFC, making his octagon debut. He lost to Kevin Holland uh, back in August. But that was his only loss of the year. He goes on a two-fight winning streak, including that knockout of the year, spinning back kick that everyone loved um, back in October. Back-to-back performance of the night wins for Buckley. Um, it's a big spot to be in, bro. He's in there with Alessio Di oh Chirico, and uh, who is on a three-fight losing streak. So. Two different tides right now, man. You've got a guy on uh, three L's in a row really needing a win, and then Buckley riding this wave. Uh, how do you feel about this middleweight fight? I mean, I feel like this is a lamb to the, sw- the slaughter type <laughs> scenario for I was ABC. hoping you are going to say that. Yeah, I think this is like, like this is this is a a squash. Yeah, this is a squash match. Oh, we'll just, we'll just keep it real, I guess. Like, <laughs> this is a squash match. If <clears throat> if uh, Alessio did cheer, I don't. I do not know. I do not know this one. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if he wins, that's great. But like, there's no other reason that you'd be putting a guy who's lost his last three in there against this guy who is putting together like some of the best knockouts we've seen in a long ass time, and uh, just you know just complete destructions of his last two opponents. Like if this wasn't supposed to be a squash match, then <laughs> why, like, why isn't Buckley fighting someone who also is, is one, you know, two or three in a row or something. You know what I mean? Like I, this seems like it's like, Hey Buckley, we're going to give you someone that, you know, you know, you know, that stuff you've been doing where like, you know, you've been doing this. <laughs> yeah. Do, do that, do that same stuff against this dude. All right. We're giving you, we're giving you another chance to, to, go viral uh, during an ABC broadcast. So. Bro, and, and the card placement, right? You've got this it looks to be the second fight of that main card on ABC. You know, it almost fits in again. If we're building a wrestling card, if we're building a story here, that makes sense. You know, hopefully they're thinking Buckley, maybe get a sick knockout, get people changing the channel over for these next three. Um, and I'm so happy you said that because I hated thinking that myself. I'm like, man, this doesn't really make sense. Buckley's like, been knocking motherfuckers out like living Friday meme um, or gif, however you want to look at it. And uh, and I think we see the same, right? I mean, I'm expecting another gross knockout for Buckley. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that. I mean, that's the thing what the UFC is hoping for. So, um, I mean, if he if he leaves, do the thing you did with a kick. 
<laughs> yeah, throw throw your one leg out there and let him catch it. Then do that that cool RVD thing and <laughs> jump jump over your leg and kick him in the head. <laughs> Shout out Alessio, man, for for because ta- I mean we're we're, we're cracking jokes, but you you kind of hinted at it. If he beats the you know the the rising star, man, that's that's a good spot to be in, I guess. You know that's that's an opportunity, but. Um, once again, we're on the same page, a, a smart man in Vegas, probably betting right now for a, uh, a walking Buckley knockout in the, well, in the first or second round, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and, well, and at least also to, to, uh, did Chirico's, uh, credit, at least he's been right. fighting in the UFC for the last like five years. Like he hasn't had a great record and he's lost his last three, but like, at least he's like an actual UFC fighter Unlike, you know, Sometimes when the UFC tries to push people yeah. like, Phil, like Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, sometimes they have to go outside of the company to find someone bad enough to put in there. You know what I mean? At least at least Buckley's fighting a guy who is an actual UFC fighter for the last five years. So at least there's that. There's that. Yep. We've seen I mean, we've seen crazier things in the octagon. So, um, you know, we, we've had some fun with this one. But, yeah, definitely check out. Be ready expect uh don't blink what is that we always say don't blink in this one that's the don't blink award uh <coughs> award uh for the walking buckley fight the last fight our opener on the main card um two non-wikipedia pages so i'm expecting this to be a fucking banger puna hell puna soriano apologize versus jusko todorovic both badass names middleweight division um yeah again i'm expecting fireworks and i know nothing about these these cats yeah the only thing i know about uh tortorovic or however you say it uh he beat daquan townsend in his last fight because I, I remember that um this a couple months ago because i remember going into that thinking townsend was gonna like destroy him and i was like oh wait who's this dude so i know that and i know both guys are undefeated so that's all i really know about these two. well yeah Okay, we're again, um, we're trying to we're trying to get some eyes on us. People that don't know are like, oh, both undefeated. That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I'm going to go with Tortorovic basically for that reason. Like he beat Daquan Townsend, who um, is a dangerous fighter, and um, I, that's I just have you know just based on that. And I look at Soriano's record, and once again, undefeated. Um, won his last fight with a left hook on the Colby Covington versus Kamar Usman card, uh, UFC 245. Uh, came out of the Contender Series uh, with unanimous decision win. So it looks, and he's got a lot of ref stoppages and, and knockouts and stuff on his record. Fought for Titan FC. Um, so I mean, it looks like some solid fighters. But I just, if I, oh, and also I didn't realize uh, Tortorovic defeated Michelle Pereira um, back in oh, 2008. Shit. Back in 2018. So. Um, another guy who's obviously, you know, a current UFC fighter and uh, the man infamous for doing lion salts off the cage during during uh, actual real fights. Fucking respect. Um, so. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Tortorovic. I'm going to go pitch, with, with him as well, because his name sounds just a little tougher. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm going to ride the wave on that, man. Um, solid main card, bro. I'm not going to lie. If this is one that. I'd probably pay for um, if it were a pay-per-view. I guess, again, that's what we're hoping. We hope we get pay-per-view quality. Three Eastern ABC prelim card on ESPN+. Plus. Some names jump out, right? Tom Breeze is on the card. David Zawada. Um, is there anything, it's initial reaction when you kind of first looked at the prelim card, what jumped out to you? 
if any. really, yeah, really, the the main thing would be the uh, Akhmedov versus Tom Breeze fight. Right. That could, be a, yep. that could be, yeah, that could be a pretty good one. Um, Akhmedov is coming off a loss to Chris Weidman, and that was a pretty good fight. Like, uh, Weidman, it was basically a career resurgence fight for Weidman. And Akhmedov, I really thought going into that fight that Akhmedov was just going to ragdoll him. So Weidman showed me a lot there. And prior to the loss to Weidman, uh, he had won, if you don't count his draw, to Marvin Vittori, who Marvin Vittori is a badass fighter, um, as we've seen recently. Like, he's a contender at middleweight right now. Um, up, to, You know, he had wins over Kyle Noak, Al-Hassan, Tim Boach, uh, Zach Cummings, and Ian Heinish, who... I mean, that's a pretty decent list of, of wins there. He's been in the UFC since 2013, just kind of quietly, like, staying in the mix. Um, other wins over guys like Brian Eversaw lost to Gunnar Nelson, but once again, Gunnar Nelson's also quietly put together a damn good career for himself. So, I mean, Akhmedov, I think, you know, he has some he has some really good uh, experience under his belt. And Tom Breeze has been fighting for, like, a decade. Um, I remember when he was the Bama champion, like, forever ago. Um, and not, not quite the same, uh, probably not as impressive of a list of wins. Uh, probably his, his most impressive wins, probably Dan Kelly, but, yeah. but, uh, so I'm going to go Akhmedov as far as my predictions, but I like the fight and this could be a good bounce back fight for Akhmedov. Like if he wins impressively, I think he'll get another, cause like Chris Weidman, obviously that's a big name, a guy who, you know, former champion and everything. So when the UFC matched Akhmedov up with Weidman, it was like they clearly want to push him to some degree. Otherwise, you wouldn't be putting him. It's similar to like to a different level, but similar to to Chimeyev getting matched up with Leon Edwards, where it's like, you know, that's a big step up in competition, a big step up in name value for your opponent. Um, you don't do that unless you you're planning on, you know, like marketing and pushing this guy. You wouldn't put him in these positions. Right. And um, so I think Akhmedov is in a good spot here. I think he gets the job done against Tom Breeze. And that that's probably the main thing on the the prelims that I'm interested in. Yeah, it, it jumps out. Um, a couple of the other ones. The only other story that really, you know, kind of caught my eye. Um, I did a little digging and, and um, there's a, a women's bantamweight fight on that prelim card. Sarah Morass and Vanessa Mello. We've been talking about these cuts, man. Uh, Melo, three losses in a row. Her last fight, she missed weight. Uh, I think, you know, that's one. If if she if we see Vanessa Melo in the losing column Saturday, could easily be in that next wave of cuts. That may not be a hard decision at all for Dana. But uh, I'm with you as far as, like, we're talking pure fights. Akhmedov, Tom Breeze feels like that could be a, kind of a, a dark horse uh, one to watch. Um, again, ESPN Plus prelim card. Man, I'm excited. I know next week we'll have uh, we back to kind of normal uh, with we'll, we'll re- review, talk about this show a little bit, the the, the final standings, and then um, get to preview another card. Man, we have what uh, Kiesa and Magni is next week, and then we are not too far off from UFC 257. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler. Um, January shaping up to be a fucking full of bangers, man. Yeah, that's right. I forgot they were doing the Wednesday show. Yeah, so, show next Wednesday headlined uh, Michael Kies and Neil Magny, which both of us are pretty pretty excited about. Yeah, that's an awesome fight. Um, that was supposed to be who was that was a uh, Chameyov. No, that that was before. Um, 
Wait, no. Wait, no. There was... Who the... Was it supposed to be Chimeyov? There, who yeah, the... it was supposed to be Chimeyov and Edwards. Uh, I think... And I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right, because that's right. Because if Edwards would have stayed on the card, they were going to bump Magny up into the main event. That's right. Um, okay, yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll be able to... Uh, next week, we'll review uh, this Hallway versus Qatar fight. And then we will... Uh, we can do predictions for Magni versus Chiesa card and UFC 257. Nice. Be a good, good show next week. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, appreciate being here. Everybody, if you feel inclined, follow me over on Twitter at MoesKLBK. Uh, again, I'm excited, man. Uh, UFC's back. We're back, baby. We're back. I just want to clarify one thing before we get out of here. I talked a lot about politics on this episode. I usually steer away from that. And I want to just make it clear that uh, – I went pretty hard on, you know, the whole Colby Covington and Masvidal Republican side. I just want to let everyone know, I don't care what political party you associate with, like whether you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, on the fence, undecided, whatever it is. Like, I I appreciate people having different viewpoints. I just can't get behind the current situation with where we're at with with the president. Like, it's just it's just one of those things that I, I you know, so I just wanted to put that out there, too. I, I, I don't. I don't mean to attack, you know, everyone on that is a Republican. I've voted Republican before in my life, by the way. I voted Democrat this year, but I have voted Republican in the past. Um, so it's something where I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to shit on one side or the other. It's just the current situation going on right now is a bit concerning for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there and let you know. If you're a very Republican listener of this show, I do not hate you, I promise. And I hope that you continue to listen. Um, so... Anyways, I'll throw that out there. And then there's also, you know, my Twitter. If you want to follow me there, that's fight talk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. I had a video go up on all things MMA yesterday. It is the top 10 most submission victories in UFC history. If you want to check that out, that was a really fun video to uh, to put together. I've got another, well, Jesse's my, my partner for our wrestling chats. Um, you can check our, our show out on her YouTube channel. Just search Jesse Davin, J-E-S-S-I-D-A-V-I-N. She could be giving birth as early as this week. So uh, I'm stay, trying to stay updated on that. So we may, I may have a show with her this week. I may be doing something solo. I may be looking for uh, for a co-host uh, or, or two or something. I don't know. We're going to get that figured out. But if you like pro wrestling, check that YouTube channel out. That's Jesse Davin. And you can listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast where I talk about independent pro wrestling and, uh, you know, a lot of non kind of mainstream stuff, but uh, pretty heavy on impact wrestling. A lot of GCW talk, a lot of stuff you see on independentwrestling.tv, uh, Ring of Honor, uh, anything going on with, you know, the National Wrestling Alliance and 205 Live, NXT UK, that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's available at FightfulSelect.com if you're a fan of professional wrestling. And, uh, yeah, anything else from you, Moe, before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Again, I'm excited about the year. Uh, look out for all the stuff Steven's got coming up, man. Yeah, look out for it. Support me. Support Jumpin' Johnny Mosley. He's been doing Boom. video editing as well. So check out his his video edits and all the stuff he's doing on Twitter. And his commentary work at Action Wrestling and New South over on independentwrestling.tv. So support Bugs. Support jumping Johnny Mosley as well. For, <laughs> for, for, for Mose, I'm Steven, and we will see y'all next Monday talking more mixed martial arts.